if you have any memories of their loved one, tell them, give them. That's a gift to them because they're not going to get any more. They have their own. But if you have any, they want to hear those. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Rooted in Christ podcast. My name is Eric Stevens, and I'm the founder of Redwood Christian Ministries. Hope everyone out there is doing well today. With me on the show today, I have author, I have speaker, I have blogger, my new sister in Christ, Angie Clayton. How are you doing today? I am doing so well. Thank you. How are you? I can't complain. I can't complain. I am going on vacation here very soon. Awesome. (laughs) Take what you can get. Basically a vacation from my job, but not this podcast. So <laughs> that's good. I figured I'm going to, I know I got you for a small window today, but so I figured I'm just going to dive right into it. So tell the audience a little bit more about yourself. So where'd you grow up and where are you from? Okay. I grew up in a little town in the middle of Nebraska called Hastings. And basically I grew up on cornfields and the corn huskers football, a lot of farm kids. I, I was a very small community that we lived in. And so I was a pretty sheltered, small town girl. And yeah, just kind of in the middle of nowhere. So when I graduated from high school, my I had 65 kids in my class. And that that was a real, the big world was a real eye opener for me. I've got two younger brothers, so I'm the oldest. And I, I reflect that if anybody likes the sibling order things, I'm definitely an oldest child. So did you bully them or did they bully you? I tattled. <laughs> it was a tattletale. I'm sorry to say. So I yeah, I picked on my younger cousins. I didn't have brothers and sisters, so I pushed them around. Uh, and then I think they tattled on me. So I was just curious. <laughs> probably. <laughs> yeah. So how did your journey with Christ start? Were you always a Christian? Were you always following him? Or did that come later in life for you? It did come later in life for me. I was raised in church but I didn't ever hear the gospel. And I'm not saying it wasn't taught there or preached or anything, but I just never heard it during that time. And so when I left home, I just walked away. It's not like I turned my back on God. There was nothing to turn my back on. I didn't have a faith of my own. I had been writing on my parents' faith all that time. And I went through a failed marriage that was not very good and remarried someone that is really good. And we're going on 34 years now. But in the midst of our marriage, about the time I turned 36, some things started happening that were such big coincidences, we could hardly believe it. And we, he he's a pastor's kid, my husband is. And he had actively turned his back at that point in rebellion. And a series of coincidences that we couldn't ignore as being from God had happened. And then I got roped into singing an Easter cantata. And if you know what that is, it's the story of Jesus from beginning to end, from creation to resurrection, to revelation, to his return. And I was practicing my part one night in my bedroom all by myself. And suddenly I was just so aware of my own sinfulness. And this was the big thing for me. I just said, it's all true. That was my moment when I realized it was all true, that all of a sudden everything started to change. So that was on Thursday before Easter. And then on Sunday, I think 
this is kind of funny, but I think that probably really it happened on the Thursday, but I was so confused. I didn't know what was going on until Sunday. And Sunday was my birthday, actual birthday. And so I count that as my spiritual birthday too. And I get to have them both on the same day. But you know what? I didn't sing a note in that cantata. I cried all the way through it. So my husband followed along about six months later. He watched me and saw me change and lived out that first Peter section where it talks about husbands and wives and keeping your mouth shut. And honestly, I, I didn't do that out of knowing, I didn't know any scripture when this journey started. And so I didn't do it out of, oh, I'm going to follow that first Peter model and be a good wife. No, I just, it got, God changed me in a way that was visible to him. And that's what brought him to the Lord behind me, which you didn't ask, but it's part of the story. <laughs> that's a good part of the story. It's a good part of the story. So now thank you for sharing all that. I am going to fast forward just a little bit because I'm very curious because I want to make sure that we talk about the book that you have out right now, but I figured I would ask you, how did you get started then with your writing and your blogging and any speaking opportunities that you do? Like, how did that start for you? It started about the time I learned how to read. I was an avid reader when I was a kid. And honestly, I wanted to be Nancy Drew when I grew up. I named my cat Nancy. <laughs> I was going to be her. At least I was going to write books like like hers. And of course, you grow up and you those kid dreams kind of die or get buried. And But I had grandkids, very young. And about the time my first granddaughter turned 18 months old, I started blogging. And so that was in 2005. And I've been blogging somewhere or other since then. And so it just, it felt so good to start to pour out words. And surprisingly, if I'm, if I'm prepared well, and by that, I mean, prayed up before I start to write, the words come out and it's very cool. I, I just love it. And so I had a full-time job then working in a pretty big church as a director of women's ministry. And so I had a lot of opportunities to teach Bible studies a lot of opportunities to speak at conferences. And so I gained a lot of experience from that job that's really has helped me going forward. There was a patch of time in there before I started working for the church that we did foster care. And I can talk more about that later, but that's, I have my own grief journey as well as talking about how other people grieve and how to help them. But so there was a lot that happened during that those early days after our salvation. But I started blogging my grandkids. And so I, I'm kind of glad I did that because I have a chronicle now of them because she, Lexi, is now 19. So I've got her whole life basically in my blogs. And so then it kind of turned. Once I started working at the church, the blog changed it changed into more of more devotional sort of at that time. And then as time went on, I just found myself just being very open and vulnerable and real with my struggles. And people have really responded to that. And I'm willing, at least to a point, right? Everyone has their point right. to share from my own brain and my own life, because we all have a lot of similar struggles. I'm not the only one that struggles with pride. I'm not the only one that struggles with laying things down that I need to. And so if I'm willing to write about those things, people respond. And so that's kind of where I am these days. 
So if you would like to share, while I hold up this picture here, because you were mm -hmm. nice enough to send me a copy of this, what's the name of the book you want to tell the audience what it's about? And then maybe like where some of the inspiration from the book came from. Sure. It's called Peering Into the Tunnel, An Outsider's Look Into Grief. And it has a really cool picture on the front. Look at that. I love it. It does. I'm trying to get it out of the light so it's not so washed <laughs> out right now, but That's I think I'm failing you miserably. Yeah, <laughs> anyway, the book is about helping people who are grieving. And the reason I wrote it is because I discovered through some experience that my own included that people don't know what to do or don't know what to say when they come up against somebody who's grieving, especially if they've had a traumatic loss. And I have a friend who lost two children to suicide. And this book started with my journey with her that I didn't know a thing about grieving, about how to help. I watched her. I loved her. And I saw what worked and what helped and what didn't help and what was hurtful. And I thought everybody's intentions are so good. Nobody would ever want to hurt a griever, but some things that we do and say actually do. And there's a lot of other things that we can do that are really helpful. And so that was kind of the beginning of why I wanted to write this book. Okay. So you just mentioned that you, when you were working with her and you were just being there for her, you saw certain things that worked and certain things that, that didn't. So what advice would you give to people who are supporting people who are going through some type of grief, whether loss of a loved one, loss of a, anything to, to that degree. What advice would you give to someone who, who is helping someone through a grieving season? Well, one thing is to get to know if you don't already, if you know the person well, you're going to know these things. But there's a difference. There's a basic difference normally in the way introverts grieve versus extroverts. And there's a difference in the way men versus women grieve in general. Women like to talk, men don't. You get them in a grief group that's for couples, the women all talk and the men remain silent. And in general, that's not, there's exceptions, but in general, that's what happens. Men tend to value the more practical helps, like someone coming to mow the lawn or if they car needs an oil change, those kinds of things are the things that are really valued a lot of times by men, whereas women want comfort. They want relationship. But also there's a difference between the kind of help that you can offer. And this is something that, that everybody has to figure out for themselves. And sometimes it changes over time. But what I really see is there's two different kinds of helpers and they're called firefighters and builders. Firefighters are the ones that come in immediately after the death. And they're the ones that get the meal train going and make sure the kids all have funeral clothes if that's necessary, if there's errands, that kind of, those kind of practical things that just have to be done in a household. And firefighters are so very important just for that reason. Those things have to keep going because the griever just absolutely can't do them, doesn't even care to think about them. Uh, so really uh, getting to know your person, if you don't already, is pretty important in knowing what's going to be helpful for them and what's not. If they're an extrovert, they may want a lot of people around them. I have a friend who's an extreme extrovert who lost her daughter to a drug overdose, and she joined every grief group in the county, I think, in Kansas City, which is where I'm from, because she needed that. 
her husband basically went into isolation because he's a huge introvert. And so they grieve very differently. Both of those ways are okay. Isolation isn't good forever. And nor is belonging to grief groups forever. But in the beginning, for a time, for however long it needs to be, those were both okay. Now, that's hard on marriage. Um, if you think about that, because one of it took him a year to get, this is just an example, to get a gravestone picked out. She was ready a month after Christina died, but he couldn't do it. And so it took, it just took that long. And so they had to learn how to just really give grace to each other in their journeys. I don't really like the word journey, but it really is. And it never ends. When you've lost a child, when you've lost a parent at a young age, when you've lost a spouse, you're changed. You're indelibly changed. So anyway, I got off track, but some of the ways that are helpful versus not helpful, there's actually a whole little section in the book about this called it's okay to eat a box of donuts. (laughs) And I titled it that because there may be days when you find your friend or your loved one in the bed, eating the donuts or the whatever they like all day long. And there's a tendency for us to want to get them out of there because that's not good for them, right? For whatever reason, whether it's a diet or laying around or both, it can't be good for them. They need to get up and get moving. No, they don't. You know what? I'd like to stay in bed and eat a box of donuts sometimes. It's okay. And so realizing that their grief is their grief and not trying to make it what I think it should be, but to really observe and learn from that person to a degree, it is very personal. But there's some ways that can help kind of across the board. And they're really simple things like, don't say, how are you? Why do you think that is? They're terrible, right? They're terrible. Don't ask, how are you? Say, it's nice to see you or something similar to that. But don't ask that question because it invites a lie. They're going to say back to you, oh, I'm doing fine or I'm okay, which is a lie. And that question is not helpful in these kinds of situations. Another thing I like to tell people is to be yourself because yourself is the person that your friend or loved one knows and loves. Don't be weird. Don't be, don't try to be something that you're not for them. They love you and that's who they need. And God has equipped each of us, every single one of us to care for people who are grieving. And that happens to be my topic, but I'm going to, I'm going to use it because that is what I talk about. And there's a verse that that has really stuck with me. And it's in first, second, I'm sorry, second Corinthians one verses three and four. And I'm going to read it. It says, all praise to God, our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all our afflictions so that we can comfort those who are in any affliction with the same comfort that God has given us. And here's why that's important is because we are all equipped. This verse says we are all equipped to help people who need comfort. Why? Because God has comforted us. He comforts us in all our afflictions so that we may comfort those who are in any affliction. And that's the important part. He comforts us in all so that we may comfort others in any. So my point is, I don't have to have lost a child to suicide to be able to go be a builder, which is the other category with my friend. I don't have to have lost my spouse to love my mother-in-law who lives with me. 
I can tend to them. I can care for them. I can comfort them because God comforts me. And I've experienced that. A lot of people will be afraid to engage because they think, I don't, I haven't had that loss. I don't, I don't know what to say or do. That's okay. It's really okay. I didn't know half the time. I still don't know half the time, but that's what the Holy Spirit's for, right? I think that anytime we need wisdom with anything, we can ask the person who gives the wisdom. If we don't know how to comfort someone or we're not sure, I think sometimes we trip up because we feel like we have to have all the answers. And sometimes I think the best thing to do is say, I don't know. Holy Spirit, Mm -hmm. guide me. Because Absolutely. God, you you knitted this person together. You This is your creation. This is your son. This is your daughter. And you've watched this since birth and before that, like the end from the beginning, like you've seen this already. Yes. You've seen them in their mother's womb. You've seen the bones. You've seen the bones get formed. You've seen the ups and oh, the downs. 39. Yeah, you, you know all of these things. So how what role can I play in this individual's life? Show me to make it clear to me. Instead of trying to put every put everything and everyone in a box, we can mm-hmm. see God and ask him for wisdom in those areas too. That's right. That's right. And in a way, it's if you have children, getting to know your kid because every one of them is different. And so you don't want to try to make the English kid do math, the extra math, right? And so it is important to get to know them. And if you're going to be a builder, and that's the other category, and those are the people that come in and stay right? They stay alongside the person who's grieving for as long as it's necessary. And there's been some one that I'm very good friends with now, and we get together all the time. The dynamic has changed. In the beginning, it was me comforting her. And what that looked like a lot of times, honestly, was me sitting on her couch beside her crying. And she told me that my tears matter to her. And that was good information to have. It's okay to sit and cry. Say their name, say the loved one's name. The people are afraid to do that because they're afraid it might make them feel more sad. They want to hear their name. If you have any memories of their loved one, tell them, give them. That's a gift to them because they're not going to get any more. They have their own, but if you have any, they want to hear those. And don't overstay your welcome. That's another thing. Don't stay so long that it looks like they feel like they have to entertain you. Keep your visits short. Sometimes it's not even a visit. I know Elaine had someone who texted her every day for a year. Never expected a response. Elaine didn't respond very often, but that person was faithful to do that. And it was like just a little touchstone for her every single day. Or send a card six months out because you get a million cards in the beginning, but then they stop. Uh, So there's a lot of different ways that you can easily do it. The only other thing it requires is courage. I think you touched on something that is really important in general, just treating people as individuals in general and getting to know them on that level in general, because it's, if God made us unique, which, and we're so uniquely and wonderfully made, then Mm -hmm. I've made it a point to not talk to any two people the same way. I've made it a point to customize the only word coming to mind right now. And it's a terrible yeah. way to do this. I wish I had another word to use right now. I like but that it works. Just, I'm, this conversation is literally for you. I'm going to talk to you to get to know you. And yes, I may have, to, I may be ministering to you about the exact same thing that I'm ministering to someone else about, but your life experiences are different. 
age could be different. Circumstances could be different. You could be married or single, have kids, whatever the case would be. I'm going to talk to you as an individual because that is literally how God made you. And to your point, I've coming alongside someone who recently had a loss and they were grieving someone, someone they lost in their family. And this individual is actually one of the leaders at my church. And one of the things I did was I started BCCing them on the emails, blind carbon copying them. So when people replied, they wouldn't be getting all of these email chains and replies because they were in the process of planning a funeral. So the last thing they wanted was more administrative things to be coming their way. I'm like, yes. I'm only sending you this just to keep you in the loop. And I had the permission to send it to them. I asked first, I'm like, do you even still want this? But I don't want to leave you out of this communication, but I'm going to make sure you don't get all of these 37 replies that might be coming through. Yeah. You know, you know what? That's firefighter work right there, my yeah. friend. And that is so important. It's stuff that either needs to be done desperately or is so helpful to them behind the scenes and they don't even realize it. So the firefighters matter. They're so important. I will say to that point, though, what happens when the fire's out? What do the firefighters do? They go home, right? right. And wait for the next fire because that's what they do. They're firefighters. And so then there's an empty space and that's when the builders come in. I will also say that it's surprising to the griever often who stays and who doesn't the very people they might have expected the most to be alongside them disappears maybe. And then they end up with somebody beside them that they would have never expected in a million years. And so that's very common. That's a common thread throughout many of the people that I've worked with. So not to be surprised. And you might be the one they never expected to come alongside. And so if that's the case, you have a little bit more work to do getting to know them. But if it's somebody you already know, there's it's an easy jumping off point. One of the th I had Rachel Bridges on here and we talked about grief for a little and one of the things that I said was we can do a better job of just paying attention, especially as a church as a whole, to some of the life events that people go through, because it may not just be the date of the anniversary or the date of their passing, or it could easily be they are going down the grocery store and they just walk past their favorite food in the aisle. Hundred percent. You really don't know when it's going to kick in. That's why you don't. That's why we just have to pay attention. That's why I have to be there for yeah. people and use and be there with intent and just make sure that I am intentionally going to be involved in your life. That's what doing life with people means <laughs> because right. it's That's not all just, this is yeah it's not just going to be a christmas or a birthday they may have family vacations they could have had tuesday movie nights you, you, we don't know we don't know all those intricate details but that's why it's just important to me this is all a part of being the church is just being there <laughs> i agree and one of the things i've thought about is what's the difference between what a person can do that's helpful versus what a church can do as a body that's helpful. And often the churches are part of the firefighters because they are the ones that organize the meals and all those kinds of things that are so helpful. But once the funeral's over, then what do we do? And there are a lot of churches that have groups like Grief Share, and I think those are helpful. But I think what you said really is the most important thing, and that's for 
people to pay attention to their walk and how they're doing. Because I call that a tsunami of grief, what you described about the grocery store or whatever. They kind of expect it on the holidays or the anniversaries of deaths or birthdays or whatever. But a song comes on the radio. You're walking down. I had a friend recently to completely melt down in a grocery store. She needs somebody to be able to call or to come get her or something. And as a body, we're made up of individuals, but we all have different, we're not all big toes or noses or whatever. God made us all differently. And that's a good thing, right? Big toes, that would be an ugly world. But (laughs) So we need to work within our gifts to a degree, but we also just need to remember that God has equipped us all to care for grieving people. And I did ask a friend of mine, the one who lost her daughter, what she would say to that question, Hmm. as far as what the church could have done differently. Is it okay if I tell you what she said? Go right ahead. Go right ahead. Okay. She said, and a lot of this crosses over, and I think that's important. She said, love the person in the family well, and don't forget about their loved one. Offer biblical counseling or set up some meetings with a pastor or elder. If it's a woman, women's ministry should reach out to that person. Same if it's a man. Consistently show caring. Asking, how are you doing? If you ask that, be sure you want the answer. So that's kind of a little bit of a different take on what I said. But really, if you ask her, she's a very big extrovert. How are you? She will tell you and you can't get away for 45 minutes. So that she's what she's saying is make sure that you really want to hear what I'm saying, because I need to tell it. And then the last thing she said is that she said this, she said, I asked my church about a grief share group and they told me that serving is how they feel is the best way to work through grief. And I don't really get that. Um, Honestly, there's so much value in serving, but I don't really know what that premise is. But the last thing she said that I think is just so good is that I think the biggest thing is to love that person or family, allow them to feel the church is caring and loving within that church's culture. And the way it is shown could be different in each church. So I thought that was really good just to love them no matter what that looks like. And love is an action. So it's it's tailored to the individual. (laughs) Yes, Yes, by the individual. And there's a match made in heaven. And Jesus definitely showed us how to love. We we know that. It's I think she touched on something that was um she touched on something that was really good too. The serving piece, I think, is subjective to the individual. Because sometimes getting up and moving is exactly what that individual needs. And sometimes sitting there crying right. is also what that individual needs. Right. And I don't necessarily think either one is wrong. I think right. that is I where, agree. I think that is definitely where we need to, as people stand in the lives of the individual, because we need to know what's good. I don't want to say we need to know what's good, but we need to know how to approach and handle those days. Like, okay, I'm up today. Let's, mm-hmm. let's go serve on, on the ushers and greeters ministry. Let's go serve in the kids when, you know, I'm down right. today. I can't get out of bed today. Yeah. And just being able to and know how to just love them through either one of those two situations. I think that's absolutely. critical. The, absolutely. And you're not going to know what it looks like any more than they're not going to know what, it's lo- what it looks like. And so just to be able to kind of roll with it, and go with them where they are. If it's deep water and they're treading water, go tread water for a while. If they're up, like you said, and they're ready to go out and get coffee or do whatever, then yay, go do that with them. 
yeah, it, it really does just depend. And there, there's a certain amount. You've got to be a little bit careful about making sure they don't get into patterns of behavior that could be ultimately damaging for them. But that's the exception and not the rule. And you'll know if that's what's happening. If you see something that looks like a very deep depression that needs attention, that's different from eating a box of donuts in bed one day. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Makes sense. I think okay. she touched on something else too about the how are you doing piece. I make it yeah. a point that if I'm and I'm only using church, but this is something in general that I do. If I'm going to ask you how you're doing, I try to do my best to stop and actually listen. But sometimes in those situations, I have asked people how they're doing. Other times I've said, how are you doing today? Other times I've mm -hmm. said, is there anything you need today? Because how you're doing is can be the overview, but then it's, how are you doing right now? And, and I that's, actually that's had my most common statement is how's today so far? I got a text from a really That's good friend exactly. of mine. Yeah. I got a text from a really good friend of mine. I think it was a couple of days ago. And it was, how are you doing today? And I was like, this, and I was like, that is, that narrows it down because now yeah. I can give a very specific answer to what I'm thinking and feeling in the moment right now. And the person who sent me this text, I know that they're not going to judge me if that answer changes for tomorrow because they're there for the long haul, no matter what. That's great. That's yeah. good. Yeah. So I'm going to ask, where can people find your book, buy your book, support your ministry? How can they do that? And I don't know if I mentioned this to you or not when we were off air, because I've talked to you several times now. And thank you for all your patience of rescheduling this interview several times with no me. Where can they, how can they support? We're going to share all the links for your ministry. Okay. Thank you. How can people find you, find your book, support what you're doing? If you want to share any of that with the audience. Okay. Yeah. The book is available on Amazon right now. And you can get it in paperback, like Eric has, or you can get it on Kindle. And actually, right now, it's free on Kindle Unlimited. You can also get it through my website. That's an Amazon link, but it might be the easiest way to do it for you. And my web page, you'll put that up, but it's angieclayton.net. And that's fun. I would love to have you come to my website because that's where my blog is. And that's where information is about any new upcoming projects. I am in the middle of a new book right now, which I'm excited about. So yeah, but I'm doing a lot of speaking and some podcasts and things like that for this book, Peering Into the Tunnel. And I've had, I've really appreciated all the chances that I've had to do that. So thank you for having me on today. No, thank you. And actually, I have, when we're off air, I've got some other podcasts I'm going to plug you in with who I think would love to, to sit down and interview. Awesome. I'll make those connections for you also. Right. This is always my least favorite part of the show, but it's always my favorite part of the show at the same time. I don't know how it's both. <laughs> but this is our Let Them Know segment. This is where you can share anything you would like with the audience, whether it be, you kind of already told us you have another book coming out. So I'm going to have to have you back on here to talk about that. <laughs> awesome. You can share anything you like, whether it be a scripture, word of wisdom or knowledge, any upcoming speaking engagements, please, Angie, let them know. I did have a couple of things that I would love to let them know. You already let me talk about my book, but I have, I found this quote that I want to use. It's in a book called Pilgrim's Progress Today. If you haven't, if you haven't ever read it, I'm serious. It is so worth your time. It's basically Pilgrim's Progress, but in today's world, if you've read the old one. Anyway, this is what the quote said. It's up on my whiteboard. We thought these lives were our own. It seems we were mistaken. Bring what is broken to the hands that first formed it. <laughs> 
So I, that has hit me so hard that this life is not my own. And the broken pieces of my life, because I have them, you have them, everybody has broken pieces in their life. Where do those belong? They belong back in the hands of the potter of the one who made me in the first place. And so I I have to give my broken pieces to him and to remember that my life does not belong to me. And so I will go wherever he takes me. I love to do the speaking engagements. I love the one-on-one opportunities that I have. So I don't feel any limits as far as big or small on any of that stuff. A lot of people have asked what my marketing plan is and my marketing plan literally is gone because I didn't know what I was doing and the things have just unrolled and unfolded and continued to. The book released in October and I'm still selling often and a lot. So it's been kind of a crazy ride and I love it. And I hope it continues because I love this message so much. I think it is really something that is going to be helpful to both sets, the people who are grieving because we're going to care for them better. And the people who are helping the grievers, especially the builders that come alongside And the last thing I want to do is read for you my favorite verse right now. And this is not right now. My favorite, actually, maybe my favorite verse altogether. But anyway, it's Zephaniah 3.17. And this is to you, right? This is to you. I want you to think about this verse that God is talking directly to you. For the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty Savior. He will take delight in you with gladness. With his love, he will calm all your fears. He will rejoice over you with joyful songs. Can you imagine that? Can you see it? You hear it? That's so cool. And so no matter what you're doing or who you are or what your thing is, don't ever forget that, that God is rejoicing over you. That is so good. I'm saving that scripture. That's a good one. That's not one. That is not one I hear people quote very often. And that's definitely a first for this podcast. So thank you for sharing that. I'm going to want to meditate on that tonight. Awesome. I have one more thing, if you don't mind. If you would not mind closing this out in prayer, that would be great. I would love to. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this time that Eric and I have had together. And I just pray that it would be a blessing to both of us. It has been a blessing for me. I pray for the listeners that there would be helpful things in it that might ring true. Lord, I pray that your message would be given to the people that need to hear it. That's really all that matters. And Lord, I just, I thank you for this ministry that Eric has and the thoughts that he has. And I'm just grateful for him and grateful for the ministry and grateful for this opportunity. Thank you so much in Jesus name. Amen. Lord, I just lift up Angie and her ministry to you now, Father. I thank you that you are just going to continue to make a way for her. I pray you continue to give her eyes to see and ears to hear. I thank you for the open doors you're about to provide in her life, Father. I thank you for the financial blessings and provision that you are about to provide, Lord. And I just pray that your will just continue to be done in her life. I thank you that her heart is surrendered to you, obedient to you. I thank you that she just wants to serve you to the best of her ability, Lord. So I just continue just to pray expanded territory over her. And I just thank you for the divine appointments you're about to bring her way. I thank you for just new book contracts, Lord. 
I thank you for just, like I said, just a new audience and just expanded territory over her life. I pray a hedge of protection around her and her family now. We just pray and ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Oh, the new book is about vulnerability. There we go. Oh, we definitely got to have you back on here to talk about that. Yeah. Without a doubt. Great. Andy, thank you so much for doing the show today. I appreciate it. And I look forward to having you back on here in the future. Thank you. I hope I get to. I'd love it. All right. You have a good day. 